Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I have so many updates, but I know we talked about doing an update episode, so I'm excited to talk about those. (laughs) Yeah, today we're going to talk about baby feeding, and next week we'll kind of give some updates because I have a lot going on with the pregnancy, and I know you have some updates on the mold situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. So next week we'll have a dedicated episode to that. But, yeah, but I'm uh, excited to talk about baby foods because we were just talking about how, you know, being so far out of it, it was, it, it feels intense. It's really not once you're into it, but at the time it feels, it feels intense, but this is, I think, I think there's a lot to it, but yeah. we also are the types to take it very seriously. So <laughs> um, very true. But yeah, so we wanted to talk, we'll start with kind of how we did an introduction schedule with the foods. Um, I know for myself, I didn't get a ton from my doctor. He kind of just said once Connor was six months, we had his appointment and he's just like, okay, he can have anything but honey and didn't mention anything about um, how do you want to introduce foods, how often, what types are the best. Uh, We got almost no information. So it was kind of all self-taught. Did you have the same kind of experience? I did. Yeah, it was... It was exactly that. They yes. talked about allergens a little bit, but not not much. It was just kind of like, oh, thin out the peanut butter whenever you feel ready. The sooner the better. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I've gotten some talk from doctors since then about calcium, but that's the only thing oh, they've ever brought up. Yeah. Um, so we really liked the book and I know you have this cause I saw it at your house when I was there, uh, <laughs> super nutrition for babies. Uh, nice. <laughs> and I also followed the paleo mom. She had a schedule of like when to introduce certain foods. And I liked that one. Um, cause the super nutrition for babies doesn't have a super good one pager of like yeah something you could print out and say okay here's what we start at six seven eight nine ten months so so I really like that one too and they might say slightly different things and my attitude was kind of like yeah if one of them says it's okay it's probably okay like <laughs> but in general that you're waiting for the baby's digestive system to be ready for certain types of foods so um that's why some doctors will say before six months and it really is best to wait till as close to six months as you can because you really are introducing irritants to the digestive tract for babies and unless they're 
they really can't thrive on the milk, you probably want to wait until pretty close to that six month mark. So there's things to look for, like when your baby is reaching for foods and interested in eating. Um, I think, I think we did a little bit at around five and a half months. Connor was, um, he, he probably was on the low end with the milk he was getting. And I do feel like he was hungry, but it's, I wouldn't have wanted to go any earlier than that. So, um, so when you're doing, when you're introducing food and we're, we're going to talk around that six month mark, anytime baby is eating, it's always milk first. You want to make sure that they're getting the nutrition from the breast milk. Cause that's still really everything they need is in that breast milk. And then the food is kind of extra on top of that. So food is generally given right after a milk feeding to, I guess, it's, it's really a supplement almost. The food is supplementing the milk and the milk provides all the nutrition the baby needs. So, and then uh, the super nutrition for baby's food, I really liked that it had kind of a schedule of when to feed the babies. So when you're starting at six months, there's this many milk feedings a day and uh, you have, you just start with one food feeding a day. And then at six and a half months, you kind of introduce a second food feeding um because they don't really need a lot of food right away it's it's mostly still breast milk or or formula so yeah i'm sure it doesn't shock anybody that i'm kind of a schedule person (laughs) um did you did you i'm just curious now did you kind of stick to the schedules not really (laughs) yeah yeah okay (laughs) i tried i try i always try i swear i do but for some reason (laughs) Well, no, I feel like I'm on the what the extreme end of that, where, um, you know, because it's like the other extreme is like the, you know, the family that's always like never wake a sleeping baby, never like, like, and I'm like, no, the schedule, like the schedule rules all. <laughs> no, my um, kid was asleep. That ruled everything. <laughs> so, did it? So rare. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, for us, um, cause we did the baby wise, like sleep schedule. I know we've talked about that before. So the milk, the milk schedule was like, it was like all like, okay, this is the schedule. And, but for us, it really worked. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so you do not have to be as rigid as I was with your schedule, <laughs> everyone out there, <laughs> but exactly. I found it really helpful, um, just to kind of give you this guidepost of what should you be looking for? So, uh, and they generally recommend introducing new foods every three days. So you're not introducing a food today and then introducing another new food tomorrow because if there's a reaction to a food, it can take up to three days to show up. So if the baby gets diarrhea from something, now you don't know which of those new foods it was from. So that's kind of the caution around that. That's the same really for adults. If you're doing any kind of food elimination and you reintroduce foods, you have to wait, I would say at least two, but probably three days to introduce another food so that you can isolate what what caused this issue. Um, so, and then I, I know like baby led weaning is a big buzzword out there now. Um, I didn't prepare you for this question, but um, we, 
We really, so baby led weaning is more around the baby eating off your plate. And my plate might not be focused on exactly what I want to give the baby at that time. So I, I did give... I did give the baby choices, but they were the choices that I put on his tray. So Mm -hmm. um, I think in some sense, I followed his lead. Like if he didn't want to eat, I didn't freak out. If he wanted more of a specific thing, it was fine. But in terms of the choices of the foods, it it was very conscious of what I was giving him. Uh, do you have the same kind of approach? Yeah, we did. I we we did a lot more purees than I thought we would, just for my own <laughs> comfort level. Um, but he had things that I wouldn't necessarily be feeding myself as well. I will say that he pretty much ate what we ate from the beginning. I would just blend up whatever we were eating, and that worked for us. I I know the schedule and the uh, allergen thing. That's something I want to be more conscious of if there is a next time. But. Um, yeah, that's that's essentially what we did too. Just yeah, and that's actually something we're still working on is I want him to get more on the same like here's what we're eating. Um because we're we're really trying to do more like family dinner time and have this I don't know, we're just trying to create more routines I guess with the new baby coming that we want some consistency with Connor, but like because we send him five days a week, we send breakfast and lunch with him to go to my mom's or my mother-in-law's. We're doing a lot of separate food prep for him or separate mm-hmm. shopping for him. So I think for us, like, um, and then uh, there's a lot of things that he doesn't eat. Like we like spicy food. And so I don't know We're I think we're still struggling. Like we want to get to be eating the same thing, but uh, like I made this like squash and beef thing the other night and Connor loved it. So that was great. But um, it's not, I, I wish we did more of that, uh, like more of eating the same thing. But my kid um, was eating duck off my plate last night at dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, it's well, and then, yeah, like you said, the things that I want him to eat that I don't want to eat, like sardines, like <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one for me. <laughs> I can't. I just, I cannot. I know. So. I tried all the ways and same. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're not always getting the same things, but uh, we do try to eat together. And if you wanted, like now that he's two, he can have whatever he wants. He's just, if we're eating something that he doesn't want, we're not forcing it on him. So um, so that, that's kind of been our approach all along. It's kind of this, um, we decide what, he decides how much. That was the approach we took as we, we offer the baby the foods. And But in these early days, it's just one food anyway. So that's really irrelevant. But I did not worry if my son didn't eat, even if it was a couple days in a row. Babies really know what they need. And uh, I, I really trusted that. So... Um, so I have some resources I really liked for baby foods. So the super nutrition for babies has recipes. Megan Garcia is an amazing resource. I used some of her recipes for some of these like superfoods for making things. And, 
Um, so some of the things for six to eight months we really focused on was pate was a big one. So we did Megan Garcia's recipe with chicken livers. So livers have a lot, liver has a lot of uh, bioavailable vitamins and nutrient content for babies. We did runny egg yolk. Um, so we would kind of cook an over easy egg, poke a fork in it, and then fill the spoon up on like just press it into the egg and spill it, fill it up. So it was cooked, but still runny and really easy for baby. And he absolutely loved that. Um, marrow is an amazing nutrient dense food. It seems intimidating, but it's so easy to make. You just stick it in the oven and scoop it out with a fork. The best. <laughs> um, so Megan Garcia's site has how to actually make the marrow and then recipes to use the marrow in. So salmon roe, this is something that Connor ate when he was really little, but wouldn't touch now. Uh, it, it has a very strong fishy taste. Um, we order ours from Vital Choice and it could be difficult if they didn't eat a ton of them because it's not cheap, but it's, it has so much vitamin D, DHA, like it's very nutrient dense. Um, bone broth, just really for a lot of minerals. If you can even put that in a, a bottle to drink a little bit or mix it in with other foods, like to make your puree, a lot of purees will call for putting in breast milk, you could also use bone, like a little bone broth to puree veggies. So we talked about the, the pate that's blended. It, so it's, you know, like a, a foamy paste or not foamy, but uh, a paste. And then other kinds of meat, generally you can just blend anything. So chicken, ground beef, whatever you make, you can ground it or blend it and serve to baby. And we did steak where we would cut large pieces and he would just suck on it. <laughs> and he loved that. So it, you have to make sure it's big enough where they could not swallow it and choke. So they cannot chew a steak at that age. I don't even think, yeah, you don't, we didn't have any teeth until eight months. So, but he would just kind of gnaw on it and by the time he was done it would be like white so he's soaking all the juices out of it and there is a lot of nutritional value in that salmon same thing you can blend it um on its own or with other things and then fruits and veggies there's so if we talk about gut health there, there's kind of the introduction schedule around this is more around the fiber, how it's going to be in your digestive tract. And so I think it's like certain fruits and veggies are better to start with as they're less likely to irritate baby's gut. And avocado and banana were some of the early ones. We'd mish them together, uh, sauerkraut. And I think one important thing to have is introducing a variety of flavors before that eight month mark. Cause they really say that the palate develops a ton between four and eight months. And 
giving your baby different sour and bitter flavors. So like the sauerkraut um, or, or different like veggies that, you know, not everything needs to be sweet or bland or, um, you know, it tastes like what you think baby food should taste like. It's, it is good to get different flavors in at this time. So a few things in the eight to 10 month range for superfoods is going to be, you can introduce things like raw cheese, yogurt. Most veggies are okay by 10 months. Seaweed we really liked because that has iodine and some trace minerals that are hard to find in a lot of land vegetables. And we still do a lot of seaweed and Connor loves it. Sardines. Um, Marissa and I were just talking about when we introduced these because you do eat them with the bones and it's, it's something I think when you have a, a little baby, it's, you're scared about this. So I think we both did it around nine months mm-hmm. um, where, and Connor would eat it straight out of the can. He'd just take the fish and eat the whole thing. And um it was probably about one sardine at nine months. That would be most of a meal for him. But yes, they can eat the bones. They're fine. Uh, and same, we did canned salmon with bones in it. So they're getting a lot of calcium from eating those bones. So that's really a, a great food for babies. Then in the 10 to 12 month range, uh, you can introduce more nut butters, Raw milk, they say after a year, if you want to do, you know, if you're done with formula or breastfeeding or want to introduce additional supplementing to breast milk, honey is a wait till a year thing. And then berries are kind of later in the, in the introduction cycle. I don't know if that's because of the size. Um, or the but just system, maybe. Yeah. And I would make sure to not do, you know, beware, beware of choking hazards, cut the, cut the blueberries. Um, Yeah. Obviously anything that's that small size that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be chewed by a baby is important to be conscious of. So um, one other thing I'll, I'll note on this is it is important to be organic as much as you can early on. So we are not an all organic food family. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people assume we are, but it's, <laughs> it's not my top priority for feeding my family right now is to be 100% organic. Um, you know, I, I do, I'm aware of the like dirty dozen list of foods that are highly pesticide, uh, like highly used pesticides on, like strawberries. Um, so there are certain foods that I'm very specific about. We have to buy this organic, but um, I, and this is something I, going back now, we didn't do as much of with Connor, but it seems like it's it's very important in these early days because babies don't have this ability to detoxify very well. So if you're pureeing up a non-organic vegetable that's covered in pesticides and feeding it to them as a puree, um, you're they're not able to get rid of that as easily. And I'd kind of put that just in that six to twelve months range where it's super important and they're 
systems are still developing so much. Mm-hmm. So, so that's something I'll, I'll try to be more conscious of with this, this one, but I think it's similar to something like where if you're doing a juice fast, use organic vegetables because you're trying to detoxify and then you're adding all this stuff back in. So it's just the state your body's in. Um, and then we'll get more into this later, but in, in talking about early foods, there are things like introducing certain vegetables too early. Like we said, the fibers can be disruptive to the digestive tract. Grains are really not a good thing in those first 12 months um, with what they do to the digestive tract. So we talk about like personally as adults trying to avoid grains because it's inflammatory. Like the baby's just really not, not ready for that. (laughs) Um, So and that frustrates um, me a lot that that's so recommended. <laughs> yeah, and and again, my kid now is not grain free. He's not even gluten free. Like no. um, I am, but he can he can try some things. But it's yeah, it's it's just different in those early days with how sensitive they are. So, um, so. In, in those food recommendations, we kind of talked about this concept of superfoods, and I just wanted to go into some of the things you're looking for, like what makes them superfoods and why, do, why does baby need them? So um, iron is just, that was the number one thing on my mind when I started feeding my baby. So babies have iron stores for up to six months if you do delayed cord clamping during birth. So they're getting that extra blood from the cord and they don't need to take in any iron for six months and they're good. But there is no iron in breast milk. So, and it's once you hit that six month mark, you need, the baby needs iron. (laughs) And it's so important to development that low iron can cause cognitive damage and motor damage and it's not reversible um and it can show up before the symptoms can show up before it shows up on a blood test that you're low iron and my doctor only did one iron test and it was at nine months so you don't want to find out then that your baby's been low in iron for three months um Heme iron. So there's there's heme iron and non-heme iron. So I think people talk about iron-rich foods and they'll mention things like chocolate or leafy greens. That's considered non-heme iron. It's from a plant source and it's actually not as usable by the body as heme iron. And heme iron comes from animals. So liver, marrow, red meat are, are great sources of heme iron and so for adults with the absorption of iron you also don't want to have it near calcium but from what I've read breast milk does not interfere with the absorption of iron so even though there's calcium in breast milk you can have you can feed the baby breast milk and then right away give them bone marrow and the iron will get absorbed so um do you want to talk a little bit in general about the animal versus plant? Cause it's not just iron where there's, where it's important to babies. Yeah. Um, I, like we talked about animal proteins are really important, especially 
at the, around the six month mark. And it's it, iron is the main one, but also you're getting essential amino acids and babies, essential amino acids mean that people, babies and adults can't produce them. Our bodies aren't making them. So we need to get them from our diet and you can get these from an animal source, um, but they're not all in a plant source. So that's really, really important. I mean, it helps with everything, their bones, their cognition, cell membranes, everything, everything. So that's really important. And you're getting things like CoQ10 and all kinds of these micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, all kinds of things that you just can't get from a plant source. And another aspect that's really important with animal sources of food are um, the bioavailability of these nutrients. So nature is not dumb. (laughs) It puts all kinds of things together. Like, okay, so you're eating a piece of meat, you're getting D3, and then whatever else is in there helps that D, as an example, get absorbed by your body. It's not really blocking the absorption of these um, nutrients that you need. Whereas a plant source, oftentimes they have things like phytic acid, or um, I'm trying to think of some other concrete examples, but basically your body has to work even harder to break that down. So it's not absorbing the nutrients that are available in plants. And that's not to say that plants are bad and you're not getting anything from them. It's just your body has to work a lot harder and you have to eat a lot more of them to even compare the nutrient content in an animal source. And when we're talking about babies specifically, their bodies, it's just, it's a lot harder for them. It's a lot more taxing and yeah, um, it's, it's just so much better to get these nutrients from an animal source. Plus animal foods are better digested even from an early age. Um, I'll get into this a little bit more with the rice when I talk about rice cereal and grains and all of that. Um, but our babies aren't really producing the enzymes that are needed to break down grains and plant most plant sources. That's why when Michelle was talking about the schedule, kind of like the age ranges or when you want to introduce certain foods, some vegetables are recommended to start later. And this is a huge reason why your baby's digestive tract is so new and it's so sensitive and it's just so pure and you don't want to be like, you know, okay. So a lot of things with digestion, right? Babies, it's pretty common, not normal, but common for them to have eczema or um, I don't know, other skin issues. I don't know. Can you think of any other examples? But a lot of times that's because their digestive tracts are irritated. That's the one thing that I always work on with, with, um, I have clients that have kids with skin issues or anything. It's, or even adults, it's the digestive system. It's irritated. I was going to say even food allergies. Yeah. Food allergies. There you go. Yeah. You might show up with a sensitivity to something and it was just your your digestive system was actually irritated from something else and you kind of compromised the whole symptom. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So really important whenever you are talking about babies there. Um, and I did think of one other example when you're talking about the absorption. Um, like one common one is beta carotene where like foods can label beta carotene as vitamin A, um, but there's vitamin A from animal sources as well. And it takes about six times as much beta carotene to make the usable form of vitamin A in your body as taking in vitamin A from animals, the retinol. And, but 
if you look at a package of food or like type in the nutrient content online, it's going to show up as having the same amount of vitamin A, but that's not like, really they should be reporting what your body can use, not. (laughs) So in that six to one ratio, that's for a healthy adult. That might be a lot lower for a baby um, because not everything is super efficient at processing food. They're brand new at taking in food. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, yeah. So we talked about iron zinc is another really important nutrient in the early days for babies. So it really helps develop the immune system. It's good for digestion, actually building up that mucosal lining in the small intestine. So building up this ability to take on new foods and it's good for healthy bone growth. So Again, animal foods are some of the best sources of zinc where it's absorbable. So meat, fish, dairy, eggs. And then fats is another really important thing for babies to make sure they're getting. So breast milk is 50 to 60% fat. And the way babies use energy, they're going in and out of ketosis. We kind of talked about this. I think it was back in episode four where we (laughs) really went into what ketosis was, but it's um, where your body's able to use carbohydrates or glucose for energy, and then it's able to use ketones for energy. So this is going to be a really great thing if you're talking about having a baby that can sleep through the night or um, that you don't want babies to be constant constantly needing to be fed. Um, So if you're getting the baby more fat, they're able to be satiated longer and kind of go into this. It's really the same with adults. Like you can go longer between meals if you have the ability to first use the sugar or the carbohydrate from your meal. And then a couple hours later, use the fat from the meal. Um, so it's it's kind of known that babies have this innate ability to use both. Like you don't lose that until you've really overloaded your system with a ton of uh, sugar and damaged things. So like babies are naturally able to like go back and forth very easily to using fat for energy. So yeah, it's just really important that they get these healthy fats in their diet. Also fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K are really important. So getting sources of fat that are nutrient dense. So we did a lot of like ghee with our purees just to give it that extra, extra fat in with it, because really the babies don't need a ton of vegetables. Like it, it, and it seems like, it seems like that's what's labeled as quote unquote healthy because we we know it's healthy for adults we're not we're not eating enough salads when we have other choices we make but babies really need these nutrient dense animal foods more early on but um it's also nice to introduce a variety of foods to get the photonutrients from the plants but let's add some healthy fats in with them and then just another thing when, when we were talking about animal versus flat plant food, DHA is a big thing where it's important for babies to get DHA. And 
So this is omega-3s and it's another one where people talk about a lot of like, oh, flax seeds have omega-3s, but it's flax seeds have uh, ALA, which your body can turn into DHA. So it's like DHA is not technically an essential fatty acid because you can make it, but it's another one of those things where you don't know how efficient your body is at turning ALA to DHA. So getting the DHA directly from your diet through things like fish is really important. And that's going to be the best choice for baby. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk about rice cereal. I feel very, very passionate about this. (laughs) (laughs) So it is probably the most commonly recommended thing, if not pretty much a blanket recommendation, I would argue with most pediatricians. Um, And I'm really grateful that I had this knowledge going in because I think things could have turned out a lot differently for my son had we started that. And it's okay if you, you, like, we're all just doing our best, you know, we're not judging anybody, but I feel very strongly against rice cereal (laughs) as the first food for baby. So this is something that's recommended at least at four to six months and even sometimes earlier. I think pediatricians are recommending this less. I know my mother-in-law felt very strongly about me putting rice in my son's bottle. So he would stop crying so much. And I was just like, absolutely not. I guess she did that with um, my husband and like, all right, no. (laughs) Well, then it can't be bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's fine. Everything's fine with him. No problems. (laughs) So rice, first of all, baby stomachs are the size of a hazelnut. So they're not they're not designed, <laughs> for lack of a better word there, to stay full overnight. Um, so giving them that cereal is just a Band-Aid anyway. But okay, so rice, there's there's not a lot of nutrition in it. So that's why it comes fortified. And that sounds good, right? Like we know babies need iron, there's iron in the cereal, but everything it's fortified with are synthetic vitamins. And there's, I think I read that there's like a 4%, 4% absorption rate for iron um, from rice cereal. And then because of the iron they're using, again, it's not heme iron, it's blocking their absorption of zinc or not necessarily blocking, but it's making it, it's diminishing it. So you're not really getting the iron that you think that your baby is getting. You're not absorbing the zinc. So there's all these nutrient deficiencies. It's kind of just like this cascade when you start um, with something like rice. Plus it's a very highly processed food and it's, it's in flake form, I think. I don't know. I've never actually used it, (laughs) but it spikes baby's blood sugar. And um, another thing with rice, and I'm not saying this as a scare tactic, but I was reading research articles this morning about it. It's high in arsenic. And um, arsenic is naturally found in soil and water. It's not completely unavoidable. However, with the way that rice is um, grown, made, (laughs) it's it's the, the runoff from say irrigation or conventional farming practices with all these pesticides and herbicides and things. Um, It's just, the rice is just kind of sitting in this toxic soup and it really is, it's, it absorbs a lot of it. Um, And arsenic is damaging to the nervous system. It can lead to poor concentration, poor memory, reduced intelligence, all these things. So, and babies, they, I can't remember where I found this study, but there was something I was reading about um, the level of arsenic in babies' bodies when they eat both white and brown rice, right? Because you think, oh, maybe brown's better, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, and then we talked a and little again, bit- And again, I think this is something that like, we don't want to freak you all out no. if you have rice sometimes because, well, or your baby, but it, 
we can handle it as adults in a lot different way than a baby can. So yeah, Yeah, just this right off the bat, you know, and in such big quantities, big for a baby, it's just, I don't know. Um, And then we talked about this a little bit already about baby's digestive system. It's just not ready for grains. Babies start to produce salivary amylase pretty early on, but it's in such a small amount. And as they get older, they produce more and salivary amylase is what breaks down grains and starches. Um, So that's all well and good. However, babies don't start producing pancreatic amylase until they're about eight months. And that's kind of the powerhouse to help break down these starches and grains. So it's just giving them this rice cereal is really irritating to their digestive tract. And like we talked about, it could show up as skin issues, excess gas, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, a really fussy baby. Um, So those are just kind of a few things to look out for if you notice, if you're giving your baby rice cereal and you start to notice these things. Um, And then again, there's phytic acid in these grains in rice, and it just blocks the absorption of other nutrients like calcium and magnesium, as well as the iron that are absolutely critical for everyone, but especially a baby when all that development is happening at such a rapid, rapid pace really early on. So I feel very strongly about rice. I'm happy to answer any questions about that. Um, <laughs> you're not a bad parent if you give your kid rice cereal, but just if you if you start to notice some of these things in your baby, that might be the culprit and it might be time to switch things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought of a couple of things as you were talking. So it, in general, there's kind of this trend to more homemade foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're seeing the rice cereal less and less, not that it's not out there still. And like you said, if you're getting advice from somebody, um, I'm sure we both ate rice cereal growing up. Like oh, it was yeah. just what was done. Yeah. So yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do this. Like you'll survive if you, yes. <laughs> if you've already given your baby rice cereal, Everything's um, fine. <laughs> we're just, if you want to, you know, make better choices or make some changes. But, um, so we kind of went from when we were growing up, we had all these fortified packaged foods and that was the norm. And now we're kind of going back at least in certain areas or socioeconomic levels where it's like, the moms are at Whole Foods and they're making their own purees. And like, especially in the worlds we live in, we're seeing a ton of that. So, um, but you're actually not getting foods that are fortified anymore. So if you are, if you're giving your kid all vegetables and no meat, there might not be any iron coming in where even with the rice cereal, even though it was poor, poorly absorbed and causes these other digestive issues, like your baby was getting some iron. Or if you had the little Gerber foods, like there were, there was iron and zinc added. And again, not a great source of these nutrients, but if you're making your own baby food and you're only doing vegetables, you're not covering the spectrum of nutrients that they need. So, um, so when we when we are in this place, which I think is amazing that we're taking things into our own hands as moms and saying, this is what I want my kid to be eating. We just have to make sure we're, we know what's in there and what the baby needs. So, um, that up. and then formula too, I think that's a good thing because formulas are fortified, but not all, not all 
supplements that are added are created equal. So kind of looking at that absorption of your formula, and this kind of gets into a whole nother thing, but like the form of the form of nutrients that are added as vitamins, there's a wide variety of the absorption of them. So like, I know calcium is a big example. Like they, they bind things to the mineral to take it as a supplement. And if your body can't undo that bind, your body can't use the calcium. So it's like you can have calcium carbonate and all these different options and some of them will be very absorbable because your body can break that bond and then use the calcium piece. And some of them will just literally come out in your pee exactly as it went in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's, that's just something to look for. I'm not an expert on formula cause we didn't really do that, but it's something to look for in your formula of like what forms of vitamins and, um, just because your formula has the same amount of calcium as a different one doesn't mean it's in the form that your baby can use. So. Yeah. That's kind of a tangent, but no, it's an important one. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, and like everybody who's listening to this, you're amazing. Cause I'm sure you're doing this because you want to do the best thing for your baby. And then I just wanted to touch really quickly on supplements. Um, we did a few mm-hmm. supplements with Connor and, but I don't think they need a whole lot if you're following this superfood diet and making sure they're getting exposed to a range of nutrients and they're getting either breast milk or formula. Cause that's really going to cover most of what they need. So supplements for mom during breastfeeding, I think two that could be like maybe needed extra of are vitamin D and potentially DHA if you're not eating enough fish. So these are nutrients, both of them, where it's shown that the more the mom has, the more shows up in the breast milk. And that's not the case for most nutrients. Most of them are kind of set and it's it's this, well, if mom isn't taking enough in, we'll take it from her bones, her organs to make breast milk. So that's why it's really important to stay on your prenatal. It's actually more for your own health than for baby because they're they're getting the calcium they need, whether <laughs> whether your body can afford it or not. <laughs> um, but DHA is one of those where it's shown like you can take in more and more and then more will be in your breast milk. Um, And I believe vitamin D is the same way. You can supplement up to like 10,000 IU a day, uh, especially if you're low to make sure your baby's getting enough. And it's, you know, if you're in the winter, if if it's winter and you probably need it (laughs) Um, in addition to what's in your prenatal. But, uh, and then that's something where if you can stomach the salmon roe as a mom, it's such an amazing source. And because it's a fat-soluble vitamin, vitamin D, you can store it up. So if I get one of those little jars of salmon roe that's like six ounces, I'll eat it over three days. And then I don't really worry about it again for a week and a half, two weeks, because you can store it up and it'll build up over time and deplete over time. And that's versus like vitamin C or B vitamins where you take them in and you pretty much pee them out the same day. So you need to be taking them in every day. So, um, so that's something I really like because there's just so much vitamin D in the salmon roll. 
for baby. You love it. I love of it. Of course. I, and what happened to you not loving sardines? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's I you were eating them game. last time we talked about this. I was. I know. <laughs> I try. There's so many in my little cabinet right now because I keep trying. And I think it's just a mind game because it does taste like tuna, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't think it tastes anything like tuna. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So. But, but yeah, we're still cooking it for Connor and he'll eat it, but it has to be hot. So, um, yeah. So for baby, really, I don't think they need a whole lot. Um, a probiotic only if there's digestive issues, would I use a probiotic? If you're breastfeeding, you're getting a lot of healthy probiotics from breast milk, but if you're using formula, I probably would introduce a probiotic. So I'm actually going to link, um, I don't know if you've seen like Laura Bruner, she has the baby essentials post, but it has all the supplements she used in there. Um, so I'll link that in the show notes. I, I, yeah. I really liked that and used that when kind of was little, um, vitamin D K2. So there's little drops that you can get and, and she has links to all of these in her post. And that was something that I used once the baby was on solid foods. I, I wasn't introducing anything when it was a, when he was hundred percent breastfed. And again, it's just something in Chicago, you, we probably need a little bit extra. You don't have to, it's not something I was like crazy about. I have to give him every day. But when I thought about it, same thing now, when I think about it, he's getting some vitamin DK2 drops. Um, Vitamin C powder, again, after you're introducing foods, this can be something that's nice to sprinkle on some of these iron-rich foods because vitamin C really helps the absorption of iron. And that goes for adults as well as babies. So if you're a pregnant woman listening and you're supplementing with iron, uh, that adding in that vitamin C is a good thing too to help it absorb. And then I really liked... Uh, the organ complex. So this is something where maybe if you're not super into making pate, I don't know who wouldn't be, <laughs> but uh, if this isn't something you have accessible to do all the time, like making the liver, or if you don't have a good source of like pasture raised animal livers, I would never use a liver from an animal that was from a factory farm, like the liver takes on all these toxins in any animal. So if you have a factory farmed animal that's getting fed like GMO grains, I would not be eating the liver of that animal. So that's, I, I should have caveated that much earlier, but if you don't have access to good pasture-raised livers, there, there's a lot of good online sources now though too. Um, mm-hmm. And, but so if you're not getting these, able to get these livers, there's a organ complex in a pill that you can kind of just open the capsule. So we would, we would kind of open the capsule and put it on the egg yolk. So he's just kind of swallowing the runny egg yolk. And there's a little bit of this powdered organ complex on top. Um, And then you're getting, you're getting all the benefits of that. Um, the organ meats without necessarily having to cook it. So, 
And I didn't mention this, but the the U.S. wellness meets, we love them. I'm pretty sure you love them too. Obsessed. Um, so I, I would put that in that eight to 10 month range where you can just get a log of um, liverwurst or head cheese or the other one that I, yeah, brunch sugar. <laughs> the other one I never want to try to say. Um, and just slice them up and let them eat it. But that would be something you could puree in with other vegetables too. But it's so easy to just be able to slice it and serve it. So that is all I have on feeding babies. I think we'd covered it. Covered it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, definitely reach out if you have any questions. And I will be going through this and sharing more in what, eight months? (laughs) Six months months plus plus two before the baby's (laughs) here-ish. So exciting. I know it is. It's it's actually kind of fun to study all this again because it does feel like forever ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, well, yeah, I look forward to doing the catch-up episode next week. I think we, we both have a lot of sh- to share. We've been kind of talking to each other, but uh, still not even enough. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm excited too. Yeah. All right. Have a good week, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.